Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. You know, you can't just run on coffee like and not give yourself the bare essentials. Like if, if you're not eating reasonably or enough food or foods that are nourishing, then that's the first step, right? And then see, like we don't supplement ourselves out of lifestyle ever. Welcome to the Less Stressed Life Podcast, where our only priority is providing those aha moments to uplevel your life, health, and happiness. Your host, integrative dietitian nutritionist Krista Bigler, helps health conscious women reduce the stress and confusion around food, fatigue, digestive, and skin issues at lessstressnutrition.com. Now, on to the show. Today's episode of the Less Stress Life podcast is powered by Zin. Yes, Zin. It's a refreshing turmeric infused beverage, a little like a sports drink with a shot of anti-inflammatory power that comes in four delicious flavors. Turmeric is one of the most anti-inflammatory and widest studied herbs in the world, and its absorption is massively increased when combined with a compound from black pepper. Zin has figured out how to get this black pepper compound in its delicious drink without compromising flavor. You can get 25% off a case of Zin and just $5 shipping at drinkzin. That's drinkzyn.com. So there's a pretty common denominator that I see often as I'm going through my day working with clients, and that is not having the energy you wish you had or having fatigue. And so today I want to talk about why are we so freaking tired? And here's the energy checklist I kind of go through when I'm assessing what is wrong, what are some of the causes of what is wrong, and what can we do to fix it? So when I started to record this episode the first time, I was talking a million miles a minute going over all of the topics, and I decided to slow it down and tell you kind of the layout of this week's episode. So I'm going to talk about basics of energy, right? So is there enough sleep? Is there good sleep? And what goes into that? What is the diet like and what can happen if the diet is inadequate related to sleep? Like what are you eating? Are you not getting the right nutrients or foods? And then talking about overworking and stress. Then I'm going to jump into more intermediate and advanced level things that can be going on that trigger those basic things, which are imbalances in bacteria in the gut, mitochondrial issues in the cell, 
cortisol awakening response being off, and I'll tell you what you can do to fix that. And then other common things I see in practice related to low, certain low nutrients and particular issues that happen with the adrenal glands. So let's jump into today's topic. But first, a couple weeks ago, I said we were giving away omega-3 test kits, and I just want to announce the winners. So to win an omega-3 test kit, you could get as many entries essentially as you wanted by commenting on the Instagram or the Facebook posts for the two omega-3 episodes and or sharing the podcast with a friend, any podcast episode, and sending a screenshot to hello at lessstresslife.com. So I would love to congratulate Emily Hofer and Mary Wilson Hales for their entries and for winning the omega-3 test kits. And I'll be in contact with you to get those shipped out. So let's go over energy. So first up, are you getting enough sleep? I know that seems like sort of a ridiculous question, but we always have to start with the low-hanging fruit. And so frequently, we all let ourselves get away with this from time to time. We'll stay up until midnight because we're so busy dealing with children or just whatever, right? Like we stay up because we think we have so many unfinished things to do. So you stay up too late and get up too early. And we're not getting that prescribed seven to nine hours of sleep. And for people that actually have a little bit of adrenal dysfunction, which I'll talk about much later, then it's kind of non-negotiable for them to get those seven to nine hours or a history of that adrenal dysfunction. It's crucial for them to get that adequate amount of sleep. Otherwise, they're not going to function very well. So if we're not getting enough sleep, what can we do to change that? And so sometimes I just have a basic conversation to talk about lifestyle. And there's a lot of recommendations that the Institute for Functional Medicine puts out. And so I'll tell you a few of them. So they really suggest putting together and I mean, If you haven't thought about what your bedtime routine is, this is an open canvas. You can do so many things. So there's different buckets that they kind of recommend. And one is minimizing and avoiding stimulants. So if you're doing caffeine or alcohol or certain meds that maybe shouldn't be at bedtime, or even I've had people use supplements incorrectly, like Actually, I see that all the time because I do a lot of reconciling with supplements for people. And so I see people accidentally misusing them at the wrong times, and it's interfering with their sleep dramatically. And so we just do some tweaking, and actually that can impact what's going on in the gut. And so I'll explain here in a moment. So minimize and avoiding stimulants, minimizing nighttime tension and anxiety, so avoiding arguments. I know that's not always possible. Like there is this TV show that my husband and I were watching for a while and I could not watch it before bed because it was not okay. (laughs) It it starts with a Y and ends with a stone. And if you guys watched that show, it was like way too gory to be watching before bed. So anything that's anxiety provoking and including watching the news before bed, et cetera. So not like paying bills, for example, right before bed can be very anxiety provoking for some people. And then the big thing is really planning and preparing for sleep. So I'm wearing currently since, the holidays, I've been wearing a ring that tracks my heart rate variability, my recovery and sleep. And I know a lot of people wear different devices for this, but it'll tell me at like 730, it's time to think about getting ready for bed now. And it's like, okay, but it is common to think about getting ready for bed an hour beforehand if it takes you a while to fall asleep. So you have to think about what is it like normally for me to fall asleep? If it takes longer than 15 minutes, there might be something going on. And if I fall asleep really less than 15 minutes, maybe I'm honestly too exhausted. So those are some suggestions of what's optimal. But some people, they toss and turn before they're actually able to go asleep, go to sleep once they get in bed. Is that because 
they've allowed, there's something creeping and keeping their mind really active and instead of relaxed and ready for bed. So there's some things, I mean, we've all had this happen, right? So this isn't some kind of pedestal talk. I mean, we all have this. So there are times when you can't avoid that. And maybe there's something you can do to try to settle it down. My favorite first thing is breathing exercises. There's a nice breathing exercise podcast episode I did with Marco Tessi, who's a breath coach. And he actually coaches me through an exercise, which is good because he's actually coaching you through an exercise. But one of the most common things I recommend is four square breathing where you inhale four, hold four, exhale four, hold four. There's a lot of options. We have a lot to get to, so I won't go through all of that. Occasionally, if I'm really amped up, let's say I'm traveling. And so we go out late and eat late. And so it's just hard to settle down, right? So sometimes I will use a calming type of magnesium glycinate or citrate before bed on purpose because that's works as a precursor to melatonin eventually. And so after about a half hour, 45 minutes, it does give me quite a feeling of calmness and zen. Now, do people have to rely on that long term? I think it's a great thing to use short term. And if it feels like someone needs it really long term, then let's go back to that lifestyle or other root causes. There's some other things about nighttime routine. A lot of things about if you have trouble falling asleep or staying asleep, but also with you can influence the entire environment, right? So this includes light, noise, temperature. People already know this and they don't even think about it, right? Or they think about it, but no one talks to them about it in a podcast, right? Also, some people bedding and pillows make a difference. And then there's a great episode coming up on light therapy about how people's circadian clocks get all kind of out of sorts when we're looking at our devices at certain times. So if you wake up, I'll give you a preview. If you wake up and look at your device, you're telling your photoreceptors in your eyes and on your skin that it's now noon because that's how similar the light is. So what you should do, and this is actually the answer to cortisol awakening response, which I'll get to in a moment. That's like, I can't get out of bed. The one thing you can do to help improve mood and energy when you can't get out of bed is to get up and look at the sun. You would be amazed at how many people are not really able to do that, right? Especially in the wintertime. And so we can talk all about that. Hopefully I don't forget to mention that. So basics, are we getting enough sleep? So to get enough sleep, you literally plan it, right? Like you back up and you're like, okay, how many hours am I getting? And do I need to make some tweaks, right? To make that work? Are you getting good restful sleep? Or are you waking up in the middle of the night? There are times that people wake up in the middle of the night and they can kind of infer that there's a certain problem. So if someone's waking up between maybe 4 and 5 a.m., there's a couple things I'm thinking. It's typically stress or in anticipation, that can often be it. But regardless, it's a cortisol rise, right? So cortisol is sort of that darling stress hormone we often think about that's secreted by those adrenal glands that sit on top of the kidneys. And cortisol will rise of course, when we're anticipating. So if you've ever gotten up early for a plane or a flight, right? Like everyone's waking up. Sometimes I don't feel like I sleep if I have to get up really early to get on a plane because I'm too anxious about it. So the cortisol rises, but there's also a reason that the cortisol can rise if someone isn't really getting enough or the right food. So for example, if someone's blood sugar is low. So subclinical or imbalanced blood sugar affects so 
many people. This is not diabetes. Men, they always take it to the next level. I was talking to a man the other day. I was asking him some questions about blood sugar being imbalanced. And he's like, well, I don't have diabetes or anything. And I'm like, that's not what I mean. Like, So many people have blood sugar imbalances because there's many nutrients that impact your body's ability to manage and use blood sugar. People eat very erratically. So they don't really think about the time that they're eating. They're just kind of eating when suddenly they feel like it or when like they don't necessarily have a plan. So therefore, they kind of wait till they're hangry or starving. And back, actually, I want to mention that the word hanger, right, like getting hungry and angry, that is a sign or symptom of a blood sugar imbalance, right? Because that's us saying like, oh, I'm gonna, <laughs> I need to eat. So anyway, the simple, simple, simple starter thing to this is get a protein and a fat and a carb at each meal and eat at regular intervals. And if you didn't eat supper, for example, or you're just not getting enough intake, then your blood sugar could dip low and your body will compensate by raising cortisol early in the morning hours and waking you up. That could technically happen anytime, but I think it often happens 3, 4, 5 a.m. I think it can happen at different times as well, but that's just what we commonly see in practice or what I commonly see in practice. When people are awake between more like 12, 1, 2, 3 a.m., I think that's more of a gut issue or another internal issue that kind of needs a little bit of one-on-one support. Often, if you haven't decided it's a lifestyle piece. So number one, enough sleep. Number two, good quality sleep. Number three, diet. Are you getting proteins, fats, and carbs at each meal? And are you taking in enough food to make energy? So this could be a lot of things, but if someone's not taking in enough food, they're not going to be making energy either. We actually take in calories. We take in carbohydrates. We take in things to make energy. So our body breaks down carbohydrates with B vitamins to make energy via the Krebs cycle called ATP, adenosine triphosphate. And so if we don't have the nutrients or bare materials to make energy, then you will not have energy. Okay. So overworking and stress, you've already kind of heard how that plays in because people are, they'll stay up late, they'll work late, it'll cause an increase in stress hormone or blood pressure or whatever, and they'll have a hard time unraveling and winding down and going to sleep, or they'll stay up too late and work, right? And then they won't get adequate or enough sleep. So it's sort of these things all play into each other from that basic checklist. Okay. So after people have dealt with some of the lifestyle things on their own, then maybe I want to look at the more intermediate level or advanced level problems that are relating to people's sleep and energy. So I'm a little biased because I do a lot of gut health stuff, right? But I was just talking about the Krebs cycle and adenosine triphosphate and how we make our body makes energy. And so if you have gut imbalances, there's a couple things that can happen. We'll talk about the B vitamins first. So those gut imbalances are going to eat up B vitamins because those bacteria want energy too. And so they're going to consume your B vitamins, which are, they're not the only thing. And it's not like you can just go take. So my issue is you can take a replacement but what about dealing with the root cause so you don't have to take that replacement long term? That's the path I advocate for. So if we've got bacteria overgrowth, those guys need energy too. They'll consume those B vitamins that would be normally essential for your energy production. And then you don't have the raw materials to make energy. Now, another thing can happen called we make serotonin, which is a calming neurotransmitter. And serotonin is a precursor to melatonin, our sleep hormone, that also acts as a cool antioxidant. It's a very cool hormone, kind of like vitamin D, which acts like a vitamin and a hormone as well. So very cool when they sort of do a couple things, whole topic on their own. So serotonin, calming neurotransmitter. By the way, cool fact, 
Many antidepressants, the action that the antidepressant takes is that they are slowing down the excretion of serotonin. So they're just trying to keep more calming neurotransmitter around longer. So if there is mood stuff going on, then I always like to look in the gut because 70% of serotonin is made in the gut. So if you are affecting the production of 70% of serotonin because of some other imbalance, then I would love to start there, right? You're getting the very best of me today. You can hear me fighting something. I've been gone a lot (laughs) with children in not great sleep environment, which is a breeding ground for not feeling your ideal or like trying to fight something off. So excuse me. So serotonin, calming neurotransmitter, antidepressants, uh, very commonly their job is to slow down serotonin excretion. And so serotonin is largely made in the gut. So I've had people when we've got gut imbalances, very, very, very common to be waking up between that 12 and 3 a.m. mark because it's or having trouble falling asleep in general. So that's usually that's the first thing I think about. Inflammatory cytokines, which are essentially like inflammatory bullets, can come from any type of inflammation. And inflammation can stem from your stress. It can stem from what's going on food-wise. It can stem from exercise habits. It can stem from like too much or too little, right? Like there is a side of each, you know, there's always too much and too little of a lot of things. It can stem from bacterial imbalances or gut imbalances. So serotonin production is a big deal to me. And I was mentioning earlier how people sometimes misuse supplements. I've had people misuse different types of supplements, and sometimes they'll take them too close to bedtime and also impact serotonin production as well. So in the basic checklist, I'm just going to keep repeating myself, enough sleep, good sleep. How is diet? Is it adequate enough to make energy and you're having proteins, fats, and carbs to keep blood sugar stable? And is there overwork or stress? The next level is dysbiosis or imbalances in the gut and B vitamin deficiencies. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about another B vitamin deficiency I see very frequently. And then there's mitochondrial issues. And then let's talk about cortisol awakening response. So let's talk about the other B vitamin that I see most commonly in practice being deficient. So if people have a lot of stress, they tend to compromise stomach acid production because we dump magnesium, which is a calming, it like calms down your nervous system and it works in 300 other enzyme processes. And you can't make stomach acid very well, which is like a fence for opportunistic weeds or bad bacteria to come in and take up residence. And so when you've got that going on, when stomach acid is low, it also is going to possibly compromise how you're going to break down proteins. We only get B12 from animal foods. And so we want to be able to break those proteins essentially down. So there can be things that happen in the upper gut or with the stomach acid, not being able to break down proteins very well. And then intrinsic factor that helps like bring in or absorb B12, which B12 for me, like for a lot of people, like this is a really big one for energy, like a huge one for energy. And it's very common. Some of the symptoms of B12 deficiency include depression, neuropathy, which would feel like kind of the pins and needles or maybe the numbness and fingers and toes, and also issues with memory and specifically fatigue. There's a few other ones like oral soreness, like a soreness in your mouth. I mean, these are when it gets pretty bad, but I would say fatigue is the most common thing I see in practice. And at least 40 to 50% of people that I see 
end up with a low trending or a deficient B12. And the reference range for B12, your doctor can check your B12, your serum B12, so your free circulating B12. And it has a large reference range, which means it's very wide. And so it goes usually from about three or 400 to 1,000 or 1,200. And so if it's hanging down at the lower end, I would still consider that a, a reason to deal with it because it's not really robust and good. So that's always a possibility that you could address that. But if someone is B12 deficient, then I usually think that there is a gut imbalance going on, impacting the ability to absorb B12 as it should be absorbed. Okay, so we've talked about the basics of good sleep, enough sleep, diet, overworking, stress, bacterial imbalances that impact B vitamins, which impact energy. Now let's talk about cortisol awakening response because it's kind of a simple one to talk about. So cortisol awakening response, your body makes, let's just talk about cortisol for a second. So your adrenal glands sit atop of your kidney glands and they secrete cortisol. Cortisol has a like kind of a lifespan of 90 minutes or so because cortisol goes up so you can deal with things when you need to. So if you get a flat tire after work, your body wants you to be able to go to bed at night. So it wants to raise cortisol then so you can deal with it, raise your stress hormone then, but then also go down so you can go to bed and you can kind of resume life again after that experience. So cortisol shouldn't be hanging out high for a long time. But for a lot of people, it is hanging out high for a long time, which causes issues. It can also get out of place or it can get out of its normal cycle. So circadian rhythm or our awake and sleep cycles can really impact this. So night shifts are really challenging, unfortunately, for this. And so our cortisol should want to naturally rise in the morning to help us get out of bed. So if they're rising too early at that 4 or 5 a.m. and you don't want to get out of bed till 6, then it's rising a touch early. And so we can kind of try to work with this very simple technique I'll tell you in a moment to try to help your body improve that. So Cortisol awakening should rise in the morning because it should help you want to get out of bed and then it'll go up and then it will come down and it will go into a low spot in the evening because it, you know, you want to sleep and so you want that to be low. Some people it will be upside down, so they'll have more energy in the evening instead of in the morning. That's kind of upside down cortisol. And so what's one easy way we can help reprogram this now? Now we can test this too um, if someone feels that that's very validating for them. But the simple thing that we can do is get full spectrum light in the morning, right when we wake up. So there's a great episode coming out about, we're actually going to do a whole month on light and health, kind of end of April, beginning of May. I just did a great interview the other day, and the interviewee was talking about when we look at our screens first thing in the morning, we're telling our body that it is now noon because the light that our screens have is very similar to what the light that the sun has at noon. So it tells the photoreceptors in our eyes and on our skin that it is now noon if we just look at our screens. So to help our body sort of program its circadian rhythms and its master clocks, it's encouraged to go look at full spectrum light right away in the morning. So I'll tell people, get up and look at the sun for 100 seconds in the morning when you wake up. But you'll be surprised at how not really possible this is for a lot of people, especially in the wintertime. They'll go to work before the sun rises, just cause a lot of problems. So some people do choose to get a full spectrum light box. I don't have any brand recommendations or anything. There's also alarm clocks that have full spectrum light and kind of simulate the sun. They just sort of right before they're going to go on, they start to brighten next to your bed in the morning. So that's kind of the goal is that they simulate that. 
I will tell you, I never have anyone who says this doesn't help my <laughs> how I feel if they do it for at least a week. I just want to preface and say anytime I'm recommending something, especially lifestyle, I always recommend people will do it for one or two weeks, but a week is easy enough for people to do kind of short term. And I think for this experiment, for sure, it's enough. And then always create some kind of way to remind yourself to do it. So because people have their phones all the time, I just suggest setting alarms in your phones. So cortisol awakening response look at the sun in the morning. And actually our light expert that is coming on end of April, beginning of May, he talks about the importance for reprogramming to look three times per day. So look in the morning, look at lunch and look in the evening. So that way your body is seen like getting different light readings from the sun or from full spectrum light. If you are using a light box, don't use it after noon because it's going to tell your body the wrong things. Okay. So we've talked about bacterial imbalances, cortisol awakening response, and let's talk about mitochondria. So mitochondria are the powerhouse of the cell. They're kind of like the magic makers. So there are supposed to be a couple of thousand of mitochondrion in each cell. And they're the little action guys that are responsible for actually making energy or the ATP in the cell. So there's this is a very nutrient dense process. And if I see a nutrient report and people have a lot of particular nutrient deficiencies that are related to how mitochondria are made, I think, okay, like this person needs a lot of mitochondria support. Why else would you care? Like this isn't just about energy. I've heard it talked about in this way that the difference between an older person and a very, and a five-year-old person is mitochondria. You just have less mitochondria as you age. And those in neurodegenerative diseases like Parkinson's, MS, et cetera, they have, like that becomes essentially mitochondria problems. Like neurodegeneration is a breakdown or of quality in mitochondria, not having good cellular health. So as an example, we'll have Dr. Terry Walls on the show very soon. And she's having an update coming out to her book, The Walls Protocol. And she is a doctor that got herself out of a wheelchair and now bikes to work every day because of dietary approaches, just very high in mitochondria nourishing nutrients, really a lot of organ meats, actually. So mitochondria issues occur for a lot of reasons. One common nutrient that we see that's important for mitochondria would be coenzyme Q10. I think of it like a key to turning on that whole process of how it makes energy. So CoQ10 is also really involved in the Krebs cycle to make ATP or energy. And so CoQ10 is commonly becomes deficient, one, as we age, and two, the very common medications people take as they age. So just think of the very, very common ones about like statins, etc. CoQ10 is, there's a drug nutrient interaction where CoQ10 just becomes a deficiency. So should people just run out and take CoQ10? I'm not sure. I mean, if you take a really high dose of CoQ10 for a long time without any monitoring, you can create a copper and B5 deficiency as well. So I always have my caveat and there's different qualities, but I don't know if it hurts otherwise. But there's a lot of other nutrients that impact mitochondria as well, carnitine, etc. And so I want to talk about mitochondria in a different way as well. So I want to talk about one other thing that I think is related to a lot of gut imbalances and period issues, etc. So another thing that where people will not feel better from fatigue and they'll feel really terrible is if they have low iron or low ferritin. Again, the reference range is a little bit wide. So even below 30, some people don't feel very well or they'll start losing their hair. Under 10 is like horrible, atrocious. So why do people get this low iron and low ferritin? So sometimes gut imbalances will create this, but gut imbalances are related to period problems. And if people have a heavy period history or they have heavy cycles or heavy bleeding, they will lose blood. So therefore they will lose iron essentially, right? So that is one reason. But I think, again, these things all overlap to each other. Okay. 
So I'm going to review and then I'm going to tell you the most complicated thing I see in practice. (laughs) So the basics, enough sleep, good sleep, diet. So there's good blood sugar balance and enough nutrients to make energy because, you know, you can't just run on coffee, like, and not have, give yourself the bare essentials. Like if you're not eating reasonably or enough food or foods that are nourishing, then that's the first step, right? And then see, like we don't supplement ourselves out of lifestyle ever. And then there's the intermediate and advanced level stuff that's bacterial imbalances, affecting quality of sleep and affecting nutrients. And then mitochondrial issues due to maybe age or prescription interventions or other reasons. Cortisol awakening response, just really from our lifestyle a little bit, throwing off our circadian rhythms and just using screens at different times of the day without really much eye protection. And we talked about B12, we talked about low iron and ferritin. And now let's talk about the thing that I find most challenging. And I find it most challenging because it takes me the longest to sort of realize it sometimes that this is the issue. And it's also the most challenging for a couple other reasons. One, we want to be sure this is the problem. I check for this on hormone testing. And sometimes that takes a while to get back because it needs to be timed properly. And when people only have a cycle once a month or not every month, sometimes it throws off how we choose to do that. And then the second is it's slow to improve. So it takes a couple of months for people to see really a difference. And people don't really like, I mean, that's not desirable, right? Like we'd prefer a really quick difference. So I think it's the most challenging thing. So I'm talking about low metabolized cortisol. And essentially what this number means is what has your body been doing for a long time, for weeks, months, etc. So there's a few scenarios. You can have good cortisol, like hey, I'm stressed when I'm stressed and I'm not when I'm not. There's elevated cortisol where people are kind of chronically high stress for too long. And then there's like burned out. I've pushed on my cortisol buttons too much to now the point where I like... I'm having dysfunction and I need some support because I can't keep up anymore. I'm kind of in survival mode. So this happens to the best of people, our overachievers, professionals, those trying to do a million things at once, those who've experienced a trauma, which is not like you would normally think, but maybe a surgery is a trauma. There's a lot of things, work shifts, et cetera. So people who just are feeling pretty bottomed out sometimes, right? Or they haven't gotten good sleep for a long time because maybe their pet wakes them up or their child wakes them up or whatever. Like it's it's too long. It's not like a few weeks. It's like years that this has been going on. So then we've got low metabolized cortisol. It looks like a lot of things, but people become more sensitive to things. They start to have responses or stress reactions to even low stressors. It's a really unfortunate, not a great problem because it's not the first thing we can find. And it ends up kind of inhibiting our progress in other areas. So if people aren't improving in the way that they should, I always want to assess low metabolized cortisol as well. So there's a few things happening. So again, the long-term stress hormone cortisol is running high and causes some burnout. So again, and people at work nights have the trauma, chronic unaddressed stress, so many things. It feels like you're very sensitive to things. You have that physical response to small stressors. You might be a light sleeper, maybe. You have a low immune system, possibly, because also DHEA, which is helping temper that, has issues. It's very difficult, again, because we find out last. It takes a couple of months to see the difference. And there's a three-pronged approach to improve it. So we need minerals and nutrients because we're trying to support, essentially, the mitochondria. And we need a lot of minerals and nutrients to do that. So we need really robust vitamin support. We need some kind of adrenal support, which can really go really well or really poorly. Like some things are really stimulating to certain people and they cause issues. And some things are really calming, which is what that person needs. But 
the right type of adrenal support. So for example, like what's adrenal support? Ashwagandha, but there's also a lot of other things that I mean, like licorice can be really stimulating and the wrong choice for a lot of people. I don't know if you want to willy nilly deal with that, but there's so many different formulas. Some people use, there's a lot of options there. So minerals and nutrients, adrenal support, and then things specific for mitochondrial health. So this would be like the carnitine, the coenzyme Q10, specific B vitamins. And unfortunately, there's not like one formula that does a beautiful job. So I end up alternating things back and forth. And the fact of the matter is that it takes a good four to six months to see the magnitude of difference that you need to see. Because this has usually been torn down for a long time. And now we have cell damage. So to rebuild cells, we need some time to do that. And we need to nourish and we need to heal. And there's got to be a lot of lifestyle pieces in there called non-negotiable sleep seven to nine hours, reducing that influx of stress. And this is like one of the hardest things I see. So I'll quit being a broken record about why it's the hardest thing. But I wanted to go over this nice little energy checklist. There's, of course, probably more things I forgot to talk about today. But these are the most common things I'm running through my head when I'm trying to get people's energy to look like it's in a great place. If this and this and this aren't working, okay, what else is going on underneath the surface that could help this person live their best life? So Thank you so much for listening to me yammer at you today. If you found this episode helpful, let me know in your comments in the review. Send me a message over at you can go to lessstresslife.com, click on the speak pipe widget and ask a question anytime that I'd love to answer in the podcast. You are awesome. Have a great day. One of the best gifts you could give us at The Less Stress Life is your feedback. We are paid in podcast reviews. If you enjoyed this or any other episode, please leave us a review. In the iTunes store or from your podcast app, just search for Less Stress Life as if you're not already subscribed. Click on the banana face image, scroll to the bottom where it shows the text of other reviews, and write a review. While you're there, hey, make sure you hit subscribe. For Android or Stitcher users, you gotta go to the desktop site and search for Less Stress Life and then scroll down to leave a review. Stitcher doesn't load Apple reviews on their site, so if you want, you can leave a review in both places. Your feedback means a lot to the success of the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to do that. You rock. 